You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you are doing very well. The guest you're about to hear from is a lass called Caitlin Henry, and she is the front woman for a band based in Sydney, via Newcastle, or the Hunter region. Or is it they're from the Hunter region, and now they're based in Sydney? That's it. Anyway, the band's called Eat Your Heart Out. We have a discussion about the new EP, or is an LP. Either way, it's a new release that's in market for the band. We talk about that and a few other things. Let's cut to the chat with Caitlin. Here we go. All right, so, Caitlin, I'm going to welcome you to the show. It has just been announced that Eat Your Heart Out are supporting Simple Plan at Helen's Vale and, indeed, across all of the Australian and New Zealand dates the band is performing. So is this, is this something of a milestone for the band to achieve a rather coveted support slot? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this, like, this supports our first international tour support um, in Australia or anywhere. So to have one that's sort of such a big deal and like such big venues and such a well-known band for our first international tour support is really crazy and such a big milestone for us. So yeah, it's great. Cool. Now I got the EP from Rachel before Christmas. Now it's not typically the type of rock and roll that I get into. However, I found plenty to like across the cuts on the EP. So that's a compliment, by the way. Don't think it's anything else. Thank you. You know, <laughs> Is there a theme or a concept associated with the cuts on the EP? Yeah, so I mean, sort of the the general theme that runs through the whole EP is just this idea of sort of struggling like with your own demons and looking into your own head and sort of trying to work out what's going on in there and just sort of this journey of, self-discovery it's sort of this message that's been present in our music before like previous eps but this ep it was sort of the sole focus like it's just the the message that runs through all the all the songs and even the artwork and everything like that so it's yeah definitely about like a journey of self-discovery and yeah sort Mm. of dealing with your own what's going on in your own head yep so do those themes and concepts, do they tie into the videos that you've done? So I have, I have watched the videos that you've, you've posted, to you, well, whether you guys did it or the label did it, posted to YouTube. Okay, so I like the videos because they're a, very, they're a high quality representation of what the, thing, the band's trying to do. But is there any link there between the theme across the cups and the EP and also the visual narrative that you're presenting through video? Um, I mean, with, like with this EP, the video that we've put out for Conscience, it kind of had its own narrative which um the like the filmmaker that made that he came up with that narrative based off like Mm -hmm. the track and the lyrics and stuff like that so it's not sort of directly related to that overall theme but at the same time with this song obviously being a part of the ep and having that sort of running through it it does sort of connect but um yeah like the video for conscience is more about the video is sort of an exaggerated version of what the song is about to Mm -hmm. ask so yeah okay yeah now the the artwork, I like the album artwork. What does the black void in the girl's head symbolise? So it's it's again sort of with that message of like, you know, sort of falling deep into your own head and it is a void, like you're not sure what you're going to find. You don't know if you're going to like what's in there. don't know if you're going to be able to get back out once you're in. Like it's just sort of representing the unknown when you sort of go on that journey of self-discovery. You don't know, yeah, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What's in your own head, you know? I think it'd look good on T-shirts as well. Actually, is that something yeah. you have plans for? Yeah. Well, with our EP release, we did have some bundles through Fearless, um, which do have the album artwork on there. So, I actually, I bought one myself. It does look pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sweet. All right. So, note to the listener: there is are they available via the Facebook page? 
those bundles? Um, yeah, we, I'm pretty sure we have a link through our Facebook. Yeah, it's available on the uh, US Merch Now store. Yeah. Okay. Radio Newcastle. I understand the band hails from there or the band's members hail from Newcastle and the cliches are obvious. There's your uh, football team, the Knights. Of course, there's Silverchair, <laughs> you know, and a history associated with mining. But, uh, you know, in your own words, how much of Newcastle has identifiably influenced the band's sound and the lyrics? Um, well, I mean, originally four of us are from Musselbrook, which is further inland than Newcastle. Uh-huh. So we only yeah. moved to Newcastle um, sort of in the last five years or so. Um, but I think definitely like when we're sort of cutting our teeth in Newcastle and playing shows there, the Newcastle scene currently is very, then was currently very like hardcore based and um, heavy metal stuff, yeah, yeah punk and that yeah, sort of heavy thing. metal yeah. stuff, exactly. Yeah, so we we were playing with all those sorts of bands, so we definitely took influence from that, just so we could sort of, you know, fit in with those shows, and it was where the scene looked like it was headed. So that's yeah, our music definitely took influence from that because it was the kind of bands that we would play with, and yeah, all we the only opportunities we would have were with those heavier bands like hardcore, heavy metal sort of stuff. Hmm. Um. So yeah, for sure. But I mean, Silverchair is one of those bands that all of us have listened to sort of, you know, since we were kids just because they were so big in Australia. So mm-hmm. that's definitely, that grungy sort of aspect as well has always been something that's present in our music. So yeah, It's, it's interesting um, listening to Daniel John's recent output. To be honest with you, I'm not a fan of it at all. I think he's lost his muse actually and he's probably been hanging around Sydney too much. It's he's done <laughs> yeah. this dark this this I wouldn't even call it dirty electro. If it was dirty electro, I don't mind that. I love a lot of bands like Cassius and Justice, you know, Midnight Juggernauts. But the stuff that he's producing now, it sounds like bad Justin Timberlake, to be honest. Yeah, I to be honest, I haven't even listened to it. I'm I haven't heard it, but yeah, I I guess even like some of Silverchair's later albums, I think almost lost that grungy aspect as well. Mm. I'm not super familiar with their later albums, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people sort of saw that coming. And yeah, I don't know. I guess grunge isn't as big as it was anyway. So even if you made a grungy album, maybe it wouldn't have been as well received. I don't know. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, look, my take on things that he doesn't realise the gold mine that he's sitting on both commercially and creatively. He's a rock front yeah. man. There's no two ways about it. He is a goddamn rock star and superstar. That's and, true. He is a rock star, yeah. <laughs> and he just doesn't realise it and he's hanging around with... I mean, I only go by... I can only go by, as we all can, I don't know him, never met him, I can only go by the pictures that I've seen in the media with him falling asleep at his doorstep there in Surrey Hills, you know. Yeah. And, you know, for somebody like me, I'm a working musician, okay, I play in covers of bands, I'm a bass guitarist, aspirational guitarist and singer, you know, I do a little bit here and there, but... Um, look, I look at the the talent that he's got, and it ju- I just feel as though he's not using it in a way that he should be. I mean, he could be touring the states, playing those first two albums front to back, and then release be releasing new music at the same time. He'd be bringing the thing that I think a lot of musicians don't understand, and you definitely fall into this category. But I do feel as though you're mining your muse the way that you should. You know, as I say, I've watched the videos, I've listened to uh, your music quite a bit since I've got the um, the EP there from Rachel. You know, you're doing what you're meant to be doing. Daniel's just not figured that part of it out. Yeah. I guess at the same time, though, like, he, like him and Silverchair started so young and did sort of do it for so long, like, that grungy stuff from such a young age that maybe he's got to a point where he's kind of like, well, you know, I've done this since I was a kid. 
now I just kind of want to do something crazy and yeah. branch out and break the mold, maybe. I think As you're right. Said, I mean, we don't, we don't know him, but yeah, that's what I would guess. He's just kind of like, I want to do my own thing, well, something different. Look, it dovetails nicely into my next point, which is also a question, which is about Australian bands. So like any bands that exist outside the commercially fertile bonanza that is Europe and North America, we have a far longer road to travel. So what do you think it's going to take to bring your music to a broader audience, particularly in those markets I just mentioned? Um, I think like the internet obviously is a great tool for expanding into that worldwide market. So I think like um, online promotion definitely can't be overlooked because that is a great tool. I think as well, because we are signed to a US label worldwide, um, our like we do definitely have a good chance of heading over to the US. Like we'll probably be heading to the US sometime this year for touring um, and potentially like recording our next release. Yeah, excellent. Great. So we've, we've definitely got um, a bit of a foot in the door with the US being on a US label. Um, Europe's kind of a whole nother beast. Like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what kind of um, scope we have there or anything like that. But I know the US mm. is definitely on our like one of our sort of short to midterm goals for this year is definitely expanding into the US. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of feedback from listeners in North America? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a lot of our fan base is is in North America just because, as I said, like our label is there. A lot of our promotion goes to there. So, yeah, definitely like Australia and North America are where our two main fan bases are growing currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great this year if we do get the opportunity to go over there and tour and sort of see, yeah, like what's happening over there and how we can expand it for sure. Now, I have no doubt you've heard this next comparison before because I've read a lot of the comments on under the videos that are on YouTube, but a lot of people in North America and Europe compare to Paramore. And yep. I think it's fairly accurate from the perspective that you're, you're, that's the type of vibe that I think North American listeners are getting from the music that you're putting out there. In particular, obviously, the cliche again, you know, female-fronted rock rock music. You know, I mean that as a compliment as well when I say cliche. You know, it's just, is it, is it Haley? Is that the lead singer of Paramore? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Haley. I uh, I had a chat to Aaron, who's in Under Oath, the drummer, but he's also Paramore's drummer, so he's not in Paramore, but he plays drums yep. for them. Um, and I asked him, you know, what was going on with the band and the like. And look, they're obviously very. They're active, they're doing their thing. But, look, I mean, any marketing person out there that could sort of give you guys an opportunity on that basis, I think you'd do bloody well with that. You know, I mean, we're very laid back here in Australia. You learn that. I've interviewed well over 200 musicians and artists from overseas. We're very laid back here. We don't often give feedback. We go, well, if you're digging it, that's great. But North American and European fans are like, yeah, I think it's like this, or no, I don't like it. So if that's yeah. what the comments are saying, honestly, I just hope the people around you are, are pushing you in that direction, only because it's such a wonderful opportunity you've got to be successful because you've certainly got the talent. Thank you. But, yeah, I think, um, I mean, some people, like, the comparisons have dried off a little from when we first started. But, I mean, at some point they do start to get a little bit old. But some mm. people as well, I think, get a little bit um like too offended with the comparison. I can definitely see how people yeah, could compare our music to like old Paramore, definitely not their new stuff, sort of it's like eighties retro. But um definitely their older albums, just the yeah, alternative rock with female vocals, like it's mm. understandable for sure. And 
I think, yeah, you're right. It's definitely something that could be um, like expanded upon because obviously Paramore were massive, so they were doing something right. So if people, yeah, really yeah. enjoyed that and then could enjoy our music sort of off that as well, then, yeah. Look, I <laughs> could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm fairly connected to the scene in terms of I'm aware of what bands are coming through, but I just don't think another band has come along like you guys that could, and when I say follow in their footsteps, you know what I mean. It's not about. Yeah. It's just. It's just about. Okay, that's the style of music that Paramore are doing. You guys are doing your thing. It's musically. I. I agree. It's very different, and the comparisons must get very old. But you can only go by what people are commenting on YouTube and the like. I mean, I do that with my podcast series and the like. And I, I started interviewing people from the world of paranormal because I started getting. I started to look at the interests and the like that people had that were listening to my podcast series. So I thought, okay, yeah. you, want, you want to listen to people from the world of the paranormal? I'll start interviewing those people, and of course. The listening, the 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 hits that I got from those episodes spiked big time. So yeah. you know you got to be realistic, and I think anybody listening out there that thinks that bands have got to be indie and just do things for the creativity alone—that's bullshit. Excuse my language. You've got to do things to expand your audience to and bring people in and get people engaged. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we yeah we don't want to make music that isn't accessible. You know, like we we want music that a wide scope of people can enjoy. And I think that is something that obviously a band like Paramore did incredibly well. Like they absolutely transcended their genre that they started out in. They just became this sort of, like not even mainstream isn't even the right word, but they just, they crossed so many genres and in that made so many fans worldwide. So yeah, I think definitely that's, that's, that's a goal that most bands should have, you know, if they want to have sort of success like that is, transcending that genre and mm, yeah breaking out and just becoming yeah. a brand or a label unto yourself you know um, exactly exactly yeah. not being pigeonholed into a band of this genre just being like this is this band okay I've, I've read that music is all that you have ever seen yourself doing as far as career aspirations so it might be too hard to answer but what do you think the next five years would look like for yourself and indeed the members of the band do um, you mean so with like with the band what we see? Yeah, what are the? Yeah, I mean, I know it's very years, yeah. it's very hard to sort of forecast what the next five years are going to look like. But do you have even a plan for what that might look like over the next five years? So, say, if you've got an obligation to release three albums or EPs in the next few years? Yeah. So yeah, because we do have a record deal, so we do have an obligation to um, release a couple of records through Fearless. So yeah, definitely, like the next five years will probably be preoccupied with um yeah getting out like a couple of records touring hopefully as far as we can around the world and yeah just sort of seeing how it goes as you said it's it's impossible to know really how something will go but um yeah definitely the goal for the next five years would just be to get out a couple of albums because obviously this year we'll probably be recording like our debut album um i don't out this year but that's definitely something on the list is recording it this year so um yeah yeah so we probably have that this year and then i guess it just depends on what kind of touring opportunities come up and then where we go from there in the next five years but i mean a personal goal for all of us i guess is hopefully in the next five years to make this our career like our source Mm. of income so we don't have to work other jobs that's definitely one of our main goals for the for five years yeah so what do you yeah, do? What do you do away from music? Uh, what's 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 the um, breadwinner at the moment? If you don't mind me asking. Oh yeah, I work in retail, so pretty 
pretty yep. standard. Um, I think tested, for musicians, yep. like, yeah, retail's it's easy to get leave when you need it. You know, it's not that hard, and it's yeah, you can leave and come back, and not that much has changed. So yeah, mm. all of us work in retail, um, except one of us. So yeah, I think that's definitely one of the easier sort of side jobs for musicians trying to make it. Mm. What's the greatest challenge that you personally have faced as a musician and an artist to date? Um, for me, I think personally, like songwriting is something I've struggled with because um, Will, our guitarist, is sort of the main songwriter of the band. So like with our initial songs, he would just pretty much write the whole thing and present it to the rest of us. But as we've grown, like each release, it's sort of become more and more collaborative. So with this last EP, the lyrics were sort of, split between me and him with them being written but I think definitely like just having confidence in myself as a songwriter and not being afraid to like present my ideas and stuff is definitely one of my biggest challenges um yeah just <laughs> hard to believe in yourself sometimes and not be like hmm. yeah I understand totally. what you've created and yeah yeah so look I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit now okay yes What's the funniest thing that has happened to you since you've been in the band? So it can be a funny incident that's happened on stage or on tour in any situation mm. that you've been in interaction with the band. I've had some classic responses to this over the years, actually. Oh, this is a tough one because I feel like we're always laughing and like something funny is always happening, <laughs> but then I can never think back on exactly why. Um, I mean, nothing that funny has ever really happened on stage. We've had some, just some ridiculous times on tour, like, um, usually it'll be because someone, like one of the guys has gotten too drunk or something on a night out and then just, just been absolutely ridiculous. I'm trying to think of anything sort of specific. Sorry, I'm always terrible at answering this question. You're right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean... I've been, like, although it is kind of annoying, I've been asked out on, like, on dates before by people, which I've turned down, but we always find that pretty hilarious just because it's... Is that right? Fans ask you out on dates? Yeah, like, at the merch table and after we've played, I've been asked out, like, a couple of times, and we just, like, we just laugh about it because it's just... I mean, I don't even... Half of the time, I don't even think they know my name. They've just watched (laughs) us play, and they're just like, oh, wow, a, a woman on stage, but, um... It reminds me of that like scene saying, in, um, you know, that scene in Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey asks Lauren Holly, is it Jim Carrey? I think it's Jim Carrey asks Lauren Holly, um, or the other guy that's in Dumb and Dumber. I can't remember his name, sorry, but he says, what are the chances of us basically forming a relationship or words to the effect? And she says, one in a million. And he goes, so you're telling me there's a chance. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's what exactly. these guys are like. <laughs> they're, just exactly. lobbing, they're just lobbing a grenade <laughs> hoping, oh, well, you never know your luck. It's like, guys, have some taste. Come on. <laughs> But I think uh, I'll just one of our classic like funniest tour memories is just this one time we'd been out like around Melbourne. I think we were out in St Kilda, just hanging out, and our bassist Don got like quite drunk. And when we got home, someone had picked up this hat on the street. I don't know, like they just found it, and it was like an Obama president hat. It had like an American eagle and like all this American stuff on it. It was mm-hmm. so classic and like patriotic and. Dom fell asleep, like, with the hat and his glasses on. Um, and so we were trying to take his glasses off, and he just 
he was like asleep, but he just went into like full dad mode and was yelling at us all to go to bed and stop <laughs> making noise. But we were just trying to take his hat and glasses off and <laughs> help him out. And I don't think he has any memory of that, but for the rest of us, it's like one of the funniest things ever happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, as per usual, it's one of those things where you kind of like, you had to be there, but... <laughs> No, I, I understand these things. Let me just share this story with you quickly, and of course the listener. I'm playing in covers bands, as I mentioned. We are playing in Bundaberg. It's uh, about 300 or so k, k's north of uh, Brisbane. And um, five-piece band. We've got a guitarist who comes from central Queensland, keeps to himself, a typical country lad, in other words, is what I'm saying. You know, uh, a bit like Wayne Bennett, the rugby league coach, just doesn't say too much, just sort of gets on with the job. Anyway, we decided to go out. We went up for a New Year's Eve gig. We went up the night before, day before, I should say, and the night of the day before, we decided to go out for some dinner together, did that. We decided to get some beverages for the, uh, you know, we had it staying at an Airbnb, so we thought, let's have a few drinks, just a few quiet ones. You you can tell where this is going already, right? Just a few quiet ones. (laughs) And, of course, this bloke, I won't mention his name, picks up some wine, just a, a bottle of red. I thought, okay, that's unusual. I've never seen him drink before uh, or just have a light beer. So we get back to the Airbnb. He proceeds to polish off the bottle of red wine. I had a few beers. Um, so he left over, like just in the six-pack that I bought, he had about two of them. And then he proceeded to mix the dregs of all of the drinks that were left over into one cup and drink it on the table. Now, I was like, what the hell is going on here? You know, uh, I'm 39 years of age. I'm pretty sure I know my limits these days. I literally can't drink enough to get a hangover because the hangovers when you're my age kill you. Um, (laughs) So he's about my age as well, if not older. Um, He did that. But in between, he was yelling. He was ranting. He was walking around in circles. There was a sprinkler system that was on site that he was walking into and walking out of it. So this is a dude who's in his early 40s or thereabouts doing this stuff and I thought it was hilarious because I think that sort of stuff is generally quite funny as long as somebody's not hurting themselves or other people the drummer who's in his early 60s had gone to bed at about 9 or 10 o'clock at night so by this stage by the time he's walking in and out of the sprinklers and yelling and stuff it's about 1 o'clock at 1 o'clock in the a.m. of course and um, the drummer got up and yelled at him to calm down (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) the guitarist wasn't processing any of it at all we thought, okay, that's enough. Let's all go to bed. Went to bed. I woke up in the morning. Not really any of the wiser that any more shenanigans had occurred. The drummer said, man, what happened afterwards? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? I went to bed, man. I've got no idea what happened. He goes, well, I walked into the bathroom. He pissed all over the bathroom because he'd left the toilet oh, no. lid down. It went everywhere. It was one of those, excuse me for being vulgar, one of those alcohol pisses. And you know, those things go on for forever. So in this Airbnb, I won't say where it was in case the listener, the, the person who owns it is listening. Gary did it. Sorry, the drummer did end up cleaning up most of it, but he had to have a shower at 4.30 in the a.m. because he'd stepped in all of this stuff. So there you go. That's my story. Occasionally, oh, these things do. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> but um, I guess my that's the thing about getting drunk when you're in bands. It's like know your limits because you've got to perform and you've got to be around people and you're not family, so the tolerance level just isn't there like it typically is in and amongst families, yeah. is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like with all of us, like it's we've been, yeah, friends for so long that it's like, yeah, we, we pretty much tolerate anything. But, yeah, that that's pretty next level. That's pretty gross. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose for part of it, you had to be there. You know, these sort of things you typically have to be. But it was just seeing him go from this Wayne Bennett type of guy who doesn't say too much, who's fairly, 
Yep. Very introspective, actually, to him becoming this wine demon after drinking a bottle of red wine, <laughs> a few beers, and then just having him drink the dregs. And I, of course, I gag because I can't handle that sort of stuff. I, I almost throw yeah. up. I've seen mates drink ashtrays mixed in with dregs of beers and stuff, and I, oh, I can't. Duck. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's vulgar. I don't know what. Yep. what they get out of it, except for the fact no. that they're drunk and they're trying to put in a show. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty pretty gross. Yeah. Radio. Okay, last question, and it's a humdinger. I haven't asked this series of questions in a while, actually. So it's one question divided into three parts. Here we go. Okay. Choose three words to describe yourself. Ooh, um, <laughs> I'm going to say purple, just because I feel like I'm always. Mm-hmm. That's your aura, mate. Oh, purple. Yeah, that's my aura. Purple aura. Um, I'd say, oh, just, just strange. Just strange. Probably just say weird things all the time and people don't know why. Um, and maybe just, um, <laughs> we'll just say quiet. Just quiet. Not super, Not the loudest person. Okay, that works. Next question is, if you could invite any five guests from any time in history to a dinner party, who would you invite? Five. That's hard. Um, I'm going to say, um, I'll probably say Elvis Presley, just because I feel like it would be nice to meet Elvis. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Stevie Nicks. Nice. Just because it would be nice to pick her brain just about, you know, her life. Mm-hmm. Um who else? Um, oh, this is a tough one. Did you say anybody or just musical people? Anybody. Can be presidents, can anybody. be world leaders, anybody. Okay. Um, probably, I'd probably say a bit of a, like, sadder one. Maybe my granddad, just because he died when I was quite young, but I think we had a lot in common, so I'd like mm-hmm. to speak to him again as an adult. Um, oh, it's so tough. Um, <laughs> five, I need two more. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm having such a mind blank now. It does, it, it, people either get it very quickly or it stumps them. It's, it's, it's yeah, really well, those, I mean, one. like, yeah, the first three I've said are ones that I do think about sometimes, but then, two, um, I mean, maybe just like because we were talking about it before, maybe someone like Hayley Williams, like someone in a band like that now, just to talk yep. about their experiences, like what they've been through. Um, and one more. Uh, hmm. We'll just say um, I can't think of. Oh, I don't know. Maybe just because I've seen her in the media, Dolores from the Cranberries, just uh-huh. because she's obviously had an interesting life as well, just because I've seen her in the media recently. So I think that would be very interesting as well. Yeah, she's, uh, uh, you know, what do we say? You know, Chester Bennington, um, Chris Cornell, Scott Weiland, all of these musicians and artists that are leaving us, in my view, well before their time. She's joined that very unfortunate list. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I remember when Zombie came out back in the day, actually, that track, that massive track that they had. I've actually played it a few times in covers bands as well, and it always goes down very well. But uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, very unfortunate. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've only got that one album. Everybody else is doing it, so why can't we? It was released back in 94. I don't know much else about yeah. the music, and I think a lot of people are in that basket. But it's always sad to hear whenever somebody passes away, particularly because she had kids as well. You know, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but sorry, I won't, I won't put a downer on things. You know, that's a very interesting list. And I tell you what, I think you'll have to keep Stevie and Elvis away from any substances. That's the only Definitely. thing you have to be aware of there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the final question is, what would you say to your 18-year-old self if you could have a conversation? Um, well, I mean, 18 for me was only three years ago. Um, so I'm kind of in the same boat as I was now, but I'd probably say just keep keep grinding, keep trying as hard as you can, like work on your you know live skills, songwriting skills, because... In a couple of years, you will need them. Um, yeah. Things will actually start to pick up with the band. So, yeah, definitely don't feel too down because things will start to happen. And, uh, yeah, 21 is pretty good. <laughs> Indeed they will. Well, you've travelled a lot of miles since then. There's no doubt about that. No doubt learnt a lot and had a lot of unique and different experiences. So, yeah, and that's that's yeah. a really good point for anybody listening that is just starting out. doesn't matter what age you are in the music biz. You've just... You might think things aren't happening, but things happen very quickly when they do start happening, don't they? So exactly, yeah. You've, so you've really got to get that groundwork done when you've got the time for it. Otherwise, yeah. you never get a later on, do you? you things just pick up and no, it's like, shit, I should have done that. Yeah, exactly. That's very, very true. Yeah. Well, that concludes the interview. I really appreciate it. It's been a wonderful chat. Thank you so much for your time. And I wish yourself and, of course, your bandmates all the very best of luck and much success. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my discussion with Caitlin Henry, the front woman for the band Eat Your Heart Out. Thank you so much for listening.